Hello there, it's Silly Auntie Sissy time. Hello, hello, I'm here for you. I'm your favorite auntie, and I love you. I love you. We want to be friends. It's time for an adventure. Let's go on adventure with Silly Auntie Sissy. Yay! Thanks for listening, guys. I'm so happy to have you here. We are talking many things. Love, love, love. And guess who sends his love? Dino! Hello! Hello, Silly Auntie Sissy. Yes, it's that time again. It's Dino time! And we're going to read another chapter of The Secret Garden. That's right. We have another chapter to read. Don't we now? This one is called The Strangest House. Shall we just get started? Let's do it. It was the sweetest, most mysterious looking place of anyone could imagine. The high walls which shut in were covered with the leafless stems of climbing roses, which were so thick they were matted together. Mary Lennox knew there were roses because she had seen a great many roses in India. All the ground was covered with grass of wintry brown, and out of, a, out of it grew clumps of bushes, which were surely rose bushes if they were alive. There were numbers of standard roses, which had so spread their branches, they were like little trees. There were other trees in the garden, and one of the things which made the place look strangest and loveliest was that climbing roses had run all over them and swung down long tendrils, which had made light swaying curtains, and here and there they had caught at each other or at a fair reaching branch, and had crept from one tree to another, and made lovely bridges of themselves. There was neither leaves nor roses on them now, and Mary did not know whether they were dead or alive, but their thin gray or brown branches and strays looked like a sort of hazy mantle spreading over everything, walls and trees, and even brown grass where they had fallen from their fastenings and run along the ground. It was this hazy tangle from tree to tree which made it look all so mysterious. Mary had thought it must be different from other gardens which had not been left all by themselves so long, and indeed it was different from any other place she had ever seen in her life. How still it is, she whispered, how still. Then she waited a moment and listened to all the stillness. The robin who had flown to his treetop was still as all the rest. He did not even flutter. His wings he sat without stirring and looked at Mary. No wonder it is, she whispered again. I am the first person who has spoken in here for ten years. She moved away from the door, stepping as softly as if she were afraid of wakening someone. She was glad that there was grass under her feet, that her steps made no sounds. She walked under one of the fairy-like gray arches between the, the trees and looked up at the sprays and tendrils which formed them. I wonder if they're all quite dead, she said. Is it all quite dead garden? I wish it wasn't. If she had been Ben Weatherstaff, she could have told, she would have known whether the wood was alive by looking at it, but she could only see 
that there was only gray or brown sprays and branches and none showed any signs of even a tiny leaf bud anywhere. But she was inside the wonderful garden and she could come through the door under the ivy any time she felt as if she had found a world all of her own. The sun was shining inside the four walls and the high arch of blue sky over this particular piece of mistle flake seemed even more brilliant and soft than it was over the moor. The robin flew from his treetop and hopped about and flew over her one bush to another. He chirped a good deal and had a very busy air as if he were showing her things. Everything was strange and silent and she seemed to be hundreds of miles away from anyone, but somehow she did not feel lonely at all. All that troubled her was her wish that she knew whether all the roses were dead or if perhaps some of them had lived and might put out leaves in buds as the weather got warmer. She did not want to be a quite dead garden if it were quite a live garden. How wonderful it would be and what thousands of roses grew on every side. Her skipping rope had hung over her arm when she came in and after she had walked about for a while she thought she would skip around the whole garden stopping when she wanted to look at things there seems to have been grass paths there and in one or two corners there was alcoves of evergreen with stone seats or tall moss covered flowers urns on them as she came near the second of these alcoves she stopped skipping yes there are teeny growing things and they might be crochets crocuses or snowdrops or daffodils she whispered she bent very close to them and sniffed the fresh scent of the damp earth ah she liked it so much perhaps there are some other things coming up she did not skip but walked she went slowly and kept her eyes on the ground she looked in the old border beds and among the grass and after she had gone around trying to to miss nothing she had found ever so many more sharp pale green points. It isn't a quite a dead garden, she cried out softly to herself. Even if the roses are dead, there are other things alive. <gasps> she did not know anything about gardening, but the grass seemed so thick and so beautiful. She searched about until she found a rather sharp piece of wood and knelt down and dug and weeded out the weeds. Now they look as if they could breathe, she said. After she had finished, I'll do all I can see. If I haven't time today, I'll come back tomorrow. She went from place to place and dug and weeded. The exercise made her feel so warm that she threw off her coat. The robin was tremendously busy, too. He was very much pleased to see gardening. He had often wondered at Ben Weatherstaff, where gardening has done all sorts of delightful things to eat or turned up with the soil. Now here was this new kind of creature who was not half Ben's size and yet had the sense to come into this garden and begin at once. Mistress Mary worked in her garden till it was time to go to midday dinner. In fact, she was rather late in remembering. And when she put on her coat and hat, she picked up her skipping rope. She could not believe that she had been working two or three hours. She had actually been happy all the time. I shall come back this afternoon, she said, looking at all around her new kingdom and speaking to the trees and the rose bushes as if they heard her. 
Then she ran lightly across the grass, pushing open the slow old door. Two pieces of meat and top and rice pudding, Martha told her when she was when Mary came in for dinner. A mother will be pleased when I tell her what thy skipping rope's done for thee. In the course of her digging with her pointed stick, Mistress Mary had found herself digging up a sort of white root, rather like an onion. She put it back in place and patted the earth carefully down. Martha, what are those white roots that look like onions? They're bulbs, answered Martha. Lots of spring flowers grow from them. The very little ones are snowdrops and carcasses, and the big ones are narcissus and junquils and daffodils. That's the biggest of all lilies and purple flags, eh? They are nice. Dick and got so wild. A whole lot of them planted in our bit of our garden. Does Dickon know all about them? asked Mary. A new task taking possession of her. Our Dickon can make a flower grow out of nothing, out of a brick walk. Mother says he just whispers things out of the ground. Do bulbs live a long time? Would they live like years and years if no one helped them? inquired Mary. There are things as help themselves. That's why poor folk can afford to have them. If you don't trouble, and most of them will work always. There's a place in the park where, here where there's snowdrops by thousands. They're the prettiest sight in Yorkshire when the spring comes. No one knows where they are first planted. I wish the spring was here now. I want to see all the things that grow in England. She had finished her dinner and gone to her favorite seat. I wish, I wish I had a little spade. Whatever it is I want that a spade for, said Martha. Are they going to take to digging? I must tell Mother that, too. Mary looked at the fire and pondered a little. She must be careful if she meant to keep her secret kingdom. She wasn't doing harm, but if Mrs. Craven found out about the door, he, Mr. Craven find out, he would certainly be angry and get a new key and lock it up again. She couldn't bear that. There's such a big lonely place. The house is lonely and the park is lonely. And all the gardens are lonely. So many places seem shut up. I never did met many things in India. But there were more people to look at. Natives and soldiers marching by and sometimes big bands. There is no one to talk to here except you and Ben Weatherstaff. And you have to do your work and Ben Weatherstaff won't speak to me often. I thought if I had a little spade I could dig somewhere on the on the doze, and I might make a little garden if you would give me some seeds. Mother's face lightened up. There now, if that wasn't one of the things Mother said. She says, there's such a lot of room in that place. Why don't they give her a bit for herself, even if she doesn't plant nothing but parsley and radishes? She digs and rakes away, and be right down happy over it. Them was the very word she said. Were they? A. It's like she says, a woman and brings up twelve children learns something besides their ABCs. Children are as good as arithmetic to set you finding out things. How much would a spade cost, a little one? Well, Thorthwaite Village is a shop or so, and I saw a little garden set with a spade. And there's about... And they was stuck enough to work with, too. I've got more than that in my purse. Mrs. Morrison gave me five shillings, and Mr. Medlock gave me... Mrs. Medlock gave me some funny, 
funny money from Mr. Craven. Did he remember thee that much? explained Martha. Mrs. Medlock said I was to have a shilling a week to spend. She gave me one every Sunday. I don't know what to spend it on. My word, that's riches. I can't buy anything in the world that wants. Thy can buy anything in the world thy wants. Thy rent our cottage is only one threepence, and it's like pulling our eye teeth to get it. Now I'm just thought of something putting her hands on her hips. What? said Mary eagerly. In the shop at Thwaite they sell packages of flower seeds for a penny each, and our dickon knows which is thy prettiest ones. He walks over to Thwaite many times a day just for the fun of it. Does they know how to print letters? I know how to write, Mary answered. Martha shook her head. Our dickon can only read printin'. If thou could print, we could write a letter to him and ask him to go and buy the garden tools and thy seeds at the same time. Oh, you're a good girl, Mary cried. You're really, really. I don't know what. I didn't know you were so nice. I know I can print letters if I try. Let's ask Mrs. Medlock for a pen and ink and some paper. I've got some of my own, said Martha. I brought them so I could print a big letter to Mother on Sunday. I'll go and get it. She ran out of the room, and Mary stood by the fire and twisted her little thin hands. If I have a spade, she whispered, I can make the earth nice and soft and dig up weeds. If I have seeds, I can make flowers grow again, and the garden won't be dead. It'll come alive. She did not go out again that afternoon, because when Martha returned with her pen, she was obliged to clear the table and carry the plates and dishes downstairs. And when she got into the kitchen, Mrs. Medlock was there, and told her to do something, so Mary waited for what seemed a very long time. Mary had been taught very little because her governesses had disliked her so much. She could not spell particularly well, but she found that she could print letters when she tried. This is the letter Martha dictated to her. My dear Dickon, this comes hoping to find you well, as it leaves me at present. Miss Mary has plenty of money, and will, and will you go to Thort White and buy her some flower seeds and a set of garden tools to make a flower bed? Pick the prettiest ones and easy to grow because she has never done it before and lived in India, which is different. Give my love to Mother, every one of you. Miss Mary is going to tell me a lot more so that on my next day you can hear about elephants and camels and gentlemen going hunting lights and tigers. Your loving sister, Martha Phoebe Swoby. We'll put the money in the envelope and I'll get it. give it to the butcher boy to take in his cart. He's a great friend of Dickens. How shall I get the thi things when Dickens buys them? He'll bring them to you yourself. He'll like to walk over this way. Oh, then I shall see him. I've never thought I should see Dickens. Does thou want to see him? asked Martha suddenly, for Mary had looked so pleased. Yes, I do. I never saw a boy fox. I never saw a boy foxes and crows loved. I want to see him very much. Martha gave a little start if she remembered something. Now to think, to think of me forgetting that there, and and I thought I was going to tell you first thing this morning. I asked mother, and she said she asked Mrs. Medlock, her own self. Do you mean when I when I said Tuesday? Ask her if you might be driven out to our cottage some day and have a bit of mother's hot oat milk and butter and glass of milk. It seemed as if all the interesting things were happening in one day. To think of, of going over the moor in the daylight and when the sky was blue. 
to think of going into the cottage. Does she think Mrs. Medlock would let me? Aye, she thinks she would. She knows what a tidy woman mother is. Now cl clean she keeps the cottage. If I went, I should see you, mother, as well as Dickon. She doesn't seem to be like the mothers in India. Her work in the garden excitement of the afternoon ended by making her feel quiet and thoughtful. But just before Martha went downstairs for a tea tray, Mary asked a question. Martha, has the scholarly maid had the toothache again? What makes they ask that, she said. Because when I waited so long for you to come back, I opened the door and walked down the corridor, and I heard that far-off crying again, just as we heard it the other night. There isn't a wind today, so you see, I couldn't have been the wind. Ay, they mustn't go walking about in quarters and listening. I wasn't listening, said Mary. I was just waiting for you, and I heard it. That's three times. My word, there's Mrs. Medlock's bell. It's the strangest house anyone's lived in, said Mary. Fresh air and digging and skipping had made her feel so comfortably tired that she fell right asleep. Dickon. The next chapter is Dickon. And we'll read that tomorrow. And then the next one after that is Finding Colin. Well, thanks for listening today, guys. I'm Silly Auntie Sissy. And we got more book adventures. By reading, you can go anywhere you want. So, I'm Silly Auntie Sissy. And we're here to talk to you about everything and anything. Love you guys. Have a great day. Bye-bye from Silly Auntie Sissy. Bye-bye from Silly Auntie Sissy. Your favorite auntie. I'm here for you. Yay.